Jesus taught us to pray and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This part of the Lord's Prayer is first a gospel prayer and then a gracious prayer. Jesus did not teach us to pray, forgive us our debts because we forgive our debtors. That would make God's forgiveness of our sins dependent on us forgiving others. Instead, the preposition as suggests that our willingness to forgive others is evidence that God has forgiven us. In other words, forgiven people forgive people. An unforgiving spirit is inconsistent with the kingdom of God and might be an indication that you don't know God. However, forgiveness is a gracious act of the will that flows from people who have been forgiven much. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Consider these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. If you forgive others their trespasses, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, of all the hard sayings of Jesus Christ, that's one of the hardest. What does it mean for you and me? Is our salvation attached to our forgiveness of other people? Answers are headed your way next as Ron continues his teaching series, The Jesus Way to Pray. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen to any Something Good Radio message on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Listen and subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now from Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his message, The Jesus Way to Pray for pardon. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, he tells a story about a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants, and one of his servants owed the king a large sum of money. The Bible says 10,000 talents. A talent was a measure of money. Let's just call it $1.7 trillion. And this servant was brought before the king to settle the accounts, and the king says, Throw them into the camp, into the slave camp, he and his family, to work off the debt. And the servant was just beside himself and begged for mercy. You know what the king did? The Bible says the king released him and forgave him the debt. No slave camp, no debtor's prison. <laughs> the man left the king's presence just so elated and so happy. He went out and and found somebody who owed him, the Bible says in the story, a small amount of money, 100 denarii, pennies by comparison. And you know what the man did? Jesus said the man took the debtor, grabbed him by the throat, choked him, and demanded that he pay. And apparently in that culture, they had uh, the legal right as a creditor to throw a debtor in prison. And that's what the man did. The man who owed him 100 denarii, the man threw him into debtor's prison, a worse punishment than a slave camp because as a debtor in prison, you have no ability personally to work it off. And you throw the debt obligation onto your family, an extended family. And the only way they're gonna get you free is to find a way to pay the debt. Well, the king caught wind of this, 
called the servant back into his presence. That's where we pick up the story in Matthew 18, beginning in verse 32. Jesus said, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you, should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Now he throws him into debtor's prison. And then Jesus says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Yeah, if you are truly, genuinely not transformed by the extravagant mercy and grace and forgiveness that came your way through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, enough to forgive others, your father will throw you into prison the same way because you were never saved to begin with. Now, Jesus told this story, this parable, following a question that Peter, one of his disciples, had. In verse 21, Peter says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Maybe you've heard this. Then Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Another translation says 70 times seven. Uh, Whatever the translation there, it just means, no, your obligation is an infinite number of times to forgive. The Pharisees said seven times and then you're done. And Jesus says, you're never done. You're never done forgiving. What a, what a powerful section this part of the Lord's Prayer is. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. A gospel prayer. Are the alarm bells going off? Some of you are here today, and the Holy Spirit, and this is his job, is convicting you, maybe for the first time, of your trespasses. Not a minor infraction. Of the mountain range of debt, sin debt, you've piled up before a holy God. And the realization, you are in debtor's prison. But God has a debt relief program. It's called the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. And you can be a recipient of the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and, and when, you, when you place your faith and trust in Him, and Him alone, not yourself to work your way out of debt or to work your way out of your trespasses, uh, to pile up as much good as you can in the remaining time of your life. No, that doesn't do it. You need somebody outside of yourself. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's debt relief program. And it's better than, than anything Washington, D.C. can concoct. Okay? Now, let, let's close our time together just talking practically about forgiveness. Because the first part of this prayer deals with our horizontal, or rather our vertical relationship with God. The latter part deals with our horizontal relationship with others. And here are some things that we need to understand about forgiveness in a practical way. First of all, forgiveness is an act of the will. Okay? Too many people link forgiveness to feelings and emotions. If you're in a therapy session, you're trying to work through the offense that somebody you know, 
brought on to you and you know, your, your bitterness toward that and your therapist says, how does that make you feel? Beware. They might be leading you down a dangerous path towards self-absorption. It isn't about how you feel. Forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is an act of the will. If you make forgiveness about your feelings, you will never forgive the person who hurt or offended you. You will continue to nurse that hurt. Feelings are fickle and untrustworthy. Emotions are good followers, but they're terrible leaders. Lead with the will. Choose as an act of the will to forgive. Or if I could say it negatively, choose not to give bitterness a home in your spirit. You remember back in Isaiah 43 where the Lord says, uh, I choose to remember your sins no more. He says, I do this for my own account. And forgiveness is something you need to do as an act of the will for your own good. Somebody once described um, bitterness as drinking a bottle of poison and hoping that it hurts somebody else. No, all it does is rot you from the inside out, that unforgiving spirit does. So it's not about your emotions. It's not about your feelings. Emotions are terrible leaders, but they're, they're pretty good followers. You, as an act of the will, choose to forgive that person who offended you and who hurt you. And patiently and prayerfully, your emotions will catch up in time. Second, forgiveness does not mean there's no justice. Let me just go back to the gospel for that. Uh, yes, God forgives our debts and our trespasses only because the just payment for the penalty of our sins happened at the cross. And the beauty of the gospel is God is both just and merciful and forgiving at the same time. Okay? So forgiveness does not mean there is no justice. And by the way, by the way, forgiveness and trust are separate issues. I'm, I'm speaking horizontally now. Forgiveness and trust are separate issues. You can forgive somebody, and that's an immediate thing to do, but trust, trust takes time to rebuild. Rick Warren says it this way, forgiveness is a personal issue, but trust is a positional issue. Forgiveness is instant, but trust is rebuilt slowly, and trust is not built on grace. Trust is built on behavior. Remember that. For your own sake, forgive. You'll never forget, unless you have a lobotomy. No, you need to practice selective amnesia and choose to remember it no more. That means, spouses, and we'll get there in a moment, you don't kitchen sink. You don't keep bringing it up over and over again. God doesn't do that to you. He didn't say, oh, by the way, six years ago, do you, do you remember what you did to me? Do you remember how you violated my laws? Or six hours ago? No, he doesn't do that. Once we confess and repent, even on a daily basis, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. Listen on demand to any of Ron's messages at somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out our digital library, where you'll find more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic for answers to some of your most challenging questions. 
That's the digital library at somethinggoodradio.org. So let me ask you, do you have a passion to pray? Would you like to learn to pray with zeal from someone who mastered the art of divine communication? The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them a model for prayer that even a child can learn. Today, Dr. Ron Jones is ready to share his brand new book, The Jesus Way to Pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Join Ron as he guides you phrase by phrase through the power and beauty of the prayer that begins, Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. You'll also find an entire chapter that explains how Jesus prays for you and me, as well as biblical answers to the age-old question, Does God Answer Prayer? That's The Jesus Way to Pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Order your copy for a donation of $25 or more. Share it with a friend by requesting a two-pack for $50 or a four-pack for $100. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Two, three, four, five, six. Now let's get back to Ron as he shares the second half of today's message, The Jesus Way to Pray for Pardon. Thirdly, and I just I stepped into it a little bit here. Thirdly, and I'm going to get real practical here. Forgiveness is the key to a successful marriage. Catherine and I have done enough marriage counseling over the years to know that at the root of a lot of marital problems is just a a bitterness that has taken root in one or both spirits, an unforgiveness. And oftentimes it's about what somebody did 16 years ago. Oh, the married couples become historical in counseling and hysterical at the same time. There's both. I've been there. But more often than not these days, when I have the opportunity to officiate a wedding, and, you know, we do all the standard stuff and the vows and, you know, all that stuff that we do. Very scripted often. There's an unscripted moment in the marriage ceremony that I enjoy, and that's kind of the pastoral homily. Uh, ten minutes. Nobody wants to sit through a 30-minute sermon, right, at a wedding. But, you know, the pastor gets a few minutes to speak directly to the bride and groom. But from my perspective as a pastor, as I'm standing there... I see the bride and groom and I'm speaking directly to them, but I know my words are going past them to the congregation that has gathered, the friends of the bride, the friends of the groom, and oh my, uh, the facial expressions, the responses, the mmm, the mmm that I get when I talk about these matters. Because I go to one simple verse these days, and it's Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, and I said, this is the key to a successful marriage. Are you ready for this? Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Now here it is, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Amen. The bride and the groom, it's such a blissful day, they can't imagine the moment where one would have to say I'm sorry and the other has to say I'm forgiven and mean it on both ends. But oh, the reaction out there. I know I'm speaking to some marriages that are hurting that, that, are, that are broken, where, where one or both of the, the, the spouses, you know, do that kitchen sink thing, and they keep bringing it up. Six months ago, you did this. Sixteen years ago, you're still, you're, you're still, you know, 
spinning around your axle about that? You are destroying yourself from the inside out. You don't have a healthy marriage, I guarantee you don't. And the only way for you to get on a healthy pathway again is to forgive. And the starting point is to remember how much you've been forgiven. 10,000 talents compared to the 100 denarii offense that somebody made against you. Come on, it isn't even a comparison from God's perspective. Get over it. Now, forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not about your emotions. It doesn't mean there's no justice. Forgiveness and trust are separate things. I, I get all that working it out on the horizontal end of things. But you got to get past this. And for some of you, you're stuck there. You say, I don't know how to forgive. You need to come back to the gospel. Maybe you've never really been saved. I can tell you that the Holy Spirit's job in bringing somebody to genuine gospel transformation and a born-again experience starts with the conviction of sin. To where you realize that your trespasses and the fact that you're a debtor before God is not a minor infraction. To where, to put it in the terms of um, uh, John Bunyan in The Pilgrim's Progress. Do you remember that ancient book? That classic book? The main character was Pilgrim. And we meet him on the road to the celestial city. And as he begins his journey, he's carrying a burden. A burden. He learned about the burden by reading the book. The allegory says, and not until he meets Christ does he cast aside the burden, the sin burden. I don't think you can truly come to Christ until you first understand the burden of your trespasses and sins. Only then does the gospel become good news, friends. The first part of it's really bad news. We're trespassers. We're violators of God's law. We're debtors. And we've piled up debts so high, there's no way to get out of this. I don't know how our country's gonna get out of 30 plus trillion dollars in debt. We are on the road to failing like ancient Rome, just in regard to that. And our enemies own our debt. But spiritually speaking, Jesus Christ came. He paid the debt off. He's the only one who has the capacity to do that. He, he paid the penalty for our sin. And God was just so that he could be forgiving and merciful to us. And you get back to the core of the gospel than every other infraction against you. And I know some of it's hard. I know some people have done some things to you, to me, to all of us, that you say, I, I, I don't know how I can ever forgive that person. Okay, you need to come back to the cross of Christ and remember how much you've been forgiven. And ask for the Holy Spirit to give you the grace to be a forgiving person. Because forgiven People are forgiving people. That's what Jesus is saying here. 
Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And there's an endless cycle of this, even in our own lives, that keeps bringing us back to the cross, back to the gospel, and back to the extravagant mercy we received from a forgiving father who opened up his bank account and paid off the sin debt, opened up debtor's prison and set us free. There's probably somebody in your life you need to set free today. You've been holding them in bondage by remembering and rehearsing the hurt they did to you. If that's in your marriage relationship, come on, do it today. Your marriage will begin to soar when you get this matter settled. Be kind to one another. Why you gotta be so mean? Forgiving one another, tender-hearted, and forgiving even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, The Jesus Way to Pray for Pardon, and I'm pleased to welcome in Dr. Ron Jones. Ron, based on the language in the Lord's Prayer, some might say that God's forgiveness of us hinges upon our forgiveness of others. And Jesus expounds on this idea later on in the same passage, Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, when he says, For if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, then your Father will not forgive your offenses. This seems to make it seem as if our salvation is contingent on our forgiveness of others. I'm hoping you can clear up some of the confusion. I'll give it my best shot, Brian. Now, keep in mind that this teaching here in verses 14 and 15 of Matthew chapter 6 came before the cross, uh, before Jesus shed his own blood on our behalf. And his audience, uh, primarily a Jewish audience, was under the law. Uh, remember, in this same sermon, Jesus invites his hearers to cut off their hands and to pluck out their eyes and to be perfect like God. Uh, he's using hyperbole, uh, exaggeration, uh, to make a point throughout the passage. There is a clear Jewish context to this sermon, and the prayer concerning forgiveness is no exception. Uh, Jesus is exposing the Jews' hypocrisy by highlighting that if they were to receive the same kind of forgiveness they were giving out or perhaps not giving out to others, uh, they would surely be condemned. So that's the context, Brian. But, but later in the New Testament, on the other side of the cross, on the other side of the resurrection, uh, believers in Jesus Christ are presented with a different kind of forgiveness. In uh, Colossians 3 and verse 13, also Ephesians 4:32, we're told that we are to forgive others because the Lord already forgave us. Uh, God's forgiveness came first, and it came, of course, through Jesus on the cross. Now we merely pass this same type of forgiveness on to other people because we already enjoy it in Christ. Let me quickly uh, wrap this up to make sure there's no confusion. A believer's forgiveness is not contingent upon his or her ability to forgive others first. Let's be clear about that. The Lord's Prayer was designed to show the Jews their unforgiving hearts, their bitterness and resentment, and uh, their need for God's grace. Today, uh, we look to Christ's completed work on the cross, and we now have the privilege of forgiving others just as God has forgiven us. 
And that's why the gospel is such good news. Thanks for clearing that up for us, Ron. Now tomorrow, you move ahead in this series on the Lord's Prayer. Tell us what we have to look forward to. Well, Brian, the next message is really about God's protection and deliverance. Jesus says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, Brian, those words, uh, temptation and evil, point to a dark shadow that looms across the entire mountain range of our Christian experience. And prayer is how we engage in spiritual warfare. So in this particular phrase, Jesus is not only telling us how to pray, he also highlights the importance of prayer itself, not just for our provision and our pardon, but also for our protection. And I want to get into some of what this spiritual battle looks like and how God protects us next time, right here on Something Good. The message is called, The Jesus Way to Pray for Protection. And Dr. Ron Jones shares it with us tomorrow as he moves ahead in his series, The Jesus Way to Pray. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.